little touch pass there. Benson waiting, cuts in, he scores! Oh my! Into the middle, holding, back, Toporowski shooting, shot block, got it back, shot, score! Center of pass forward, of stop, shot, back to play, score! In front, Groove scores! Jaden Groove scores the triple overtime winner. Welcome into WHO Unfiltered. Uh, pleased to be joined by Stephen Ellis, the associate editor and prospect uh, expert for Daily Faceoff. Out there in the uh, the capital of the universe, Toronto. How are how's things going back east? I uh, you know it's good. Can't complain. Lots of hockey going on. It's a good time for uh, for that, I guess. Uh, busy times. Can't complain. Yeah, these uh, you know World Junior shows and you know or the or, or the draft or Memorial Cup or whatever. It's it's kind of fun, you know, for for us to be able to you know reach outside of our you know, comfort zone outside of our, you know, geographical region and, you know, get a, go for some, some nationwide riders, some, some guys, you know, like yourself, Steve, with a, with a higher profile and talk a little bit of, uh, you know, all, all across the CHL and even other, other leagues as well that are involved with the, the world junior, world junior championship here coming up. So it's, uh, it's nice to have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you. It's my, again, love this time of year. World juniors is kind of the thing I got really started in. So, uh, I won't be there this year, which is kind of a, uh, which kind of sucks, but uh, I'm still looking forward to it. So I, I don't, I believe that you were still with the hockey news the last time we had you on the show. Let's maybe before we get going, talk a little bit about daily faceoff and 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 what that journey's been like for you. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was with the hockey news from about uh, 2019 uh, till uh, uh, September of this year, which uh, other than a bit of time with COVID and. I uh, love my time there. Fantastic people working there. And um, Brian Kennedy, one of the guys I was closest with, became uh, editor-in-chief right before I, I left. And uh, I know it's in good hands with him. Uh, and he's another huge prospect guy, so that's really cool. Um, but for Daily Faceoff, it was an opportunity where I heard from uh, Matt Larkin, who used to work with me at the Hockey News, and then heard directly from Frank Saravelli saying, okay, like, we, we'd love you to come on and do a lot of prospect stuff, do NHL and things like that. And a good mix of everything so it's been really a lot of fun um uh it's kind of a different role it's it's more writing focused but we actually just launched uh, today our first podcast with uh, uh the, that i'm a part of uh, with matt Larkin, and, and uh um that's cool because we had a fantasy podcast of the hockey news and now we got a fantasy podcast called uh, puck poolies that we just launched so it's cool to be part of that again um it's just uh again i cover hockey for a living it doesn't suck i'll say that yeah, I mean you've you've just uh, you know entered the most saturated market in the the history of mankind. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to I used to live in Calgary, um, and you know it's the, the 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 hockey media is a lot different there than it is here. Oh, I I just meant being a podcaster. That's where I was. Going oh well, there's the, there's that. Yeah, you know, the, it's funny. I I I had a a podcast when I was in grade eight, and that was 2010. I want to say. Um, 
and there's a friend of mine and we just said you know let's just do this for fun this is before like like nobody like we had to record off of really crappy software we used a guitar hero microphone um it was very primitive for the time but we, we thought it was fun at one point when we got into the top 30 sports podcasts on itunes i thought that was the coolest thing in the world now with the numbers that we did then you'd be like 30,000th but uh and just in hockey alone i'd probably say given how many podcasts there are but uh i love podcasts yeah well and you know what we've tried to do with with this show and 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 the sister show uh, pucklandia is just try to do you know stuff that other other people aren't doing and try to find something unique there and you know cover cover our league and in, in in this case you know like we already mentioned you know uh junior hockey as a, as a whole you know and and uh try to keep it interesting you know and that's you know try to stay authentic and, and, and hopefully somebody's hopefully people are digging it I don't know we'll see yeah so where do you want to start with this uh, with this Team Canada roster I mean is this you know you want to you want to um, in your, your article that I, I would recommend everyone you know read when you get the chance um, you started out with the the, the NHL el, uh, eligibles um, you you want to go with that? Yeah. So we know that um, Shane Wright, Dylan Gunther, and Brian Clark have been linked to this team. None of them were listed in the camp roster, and I wrote about it saying I, I don't think that means they won't be there. Um, it's not uncommon for players like that to just stick around and and with their NHL teams as long as possible, then get loaned out. Which I, it definitely does suck for some of those guys that are there for the whole camp experience and get cut as a result. But uh, I, the NHL teams are uh, are the ones making the decisions here, and they're looking and saying, "Well, Shane Wright, it's better, more, it's beneficial for him to be playing against pro players from time to time because we know he's not in the lineup every night, and playing against uh, or having NHL coaching." Um, than going out there and just doing a bunch of practices for a few days. And uh, him and, and Gunther and Clark, I do expect them to all be there. The one name that I'm, I'm interested in now is Mason McTavish. And, and for a very, maybe this is me overthinking this, but Jason Magno was just claimed by the Ducks on, on Flavors, and he has zero points this year, so he's not much of a producer. But he plays a defensive bottom line role. And you look, and Mason McTavish has had a rough couple weeks. I'm wondering if this is a way of saying, you know, McTavish, go out there and win the championship and come back. So that'd be interesting to see if he comes, he goes there. I didn't, uh, like yesterday afternoon, I, I would have said 0% chance. Now that they went and claimed this guy, then yeah, it is like a fourth line maybe guy, could even go to the AHL. I do wonder if he ends up becoming something here and McTavish ends up going to the, to the juniors. Yeah, it's interesting. That's uh, definitely a name that I I hadn't uh, hadn't th- given any con- consideration to. But you know, like you're saying, I don't, it, most of us probably hadn't here until until all of a sudden. Yeah, it, 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 again, maybe it's me overthinking this one. But the fact that they went on and got a guy get zero points and said that's a reason why they're going to send him out. But it didn't make sense why they acquired him in the first place. They didn't need him, so why did they get him? And that's what makes me raise some eyebrows. Yeah, interesting. Um, who else? Uh, where else you want to go with this? Well, you got Connor Bedard. Um, we can we know talk what about he's Bedard. Had. Yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty hot topic. He's a pretty good player. Uh, I'm really jealous of uh, WHL fans getting to watch him uh, do what he does. Um, and he's he's going to be one of the best players in this tournament for sure. Um, uh, it's it, it, funny actually. All the talent really comes from the WHL. Logan Stankoven, uh, Stankoven, he's was unbelievable. The juniors and. Uh, 
in August, and he'll be even better now. Uh, Owen Zellweger, a lot of people said he got robbed from best defenseman in that tournament. I disagree, um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and then uh, Brendan Ottman, another guy out of the, the OHL, where if he and Shane Wright get to go together, um, they were absolutely incredible um, in U16 hockey. You know, the Domino's Flyers, one of the best under-16 hockey teams I think Canada has ever seen. Um, but then going out there and then doing the same thing at the U18 World Championship. Those guys are going to be really good together if they play there. Brant Clark was the setup guy for those. So if you have him setting up those plays, uh, that'll be really good. This team's really top-heavy compared to maybe the Americans where they're built more from the backup uh, outside of goaltending, which scares me. But uh, I think Canada's real strength is the, the scoring depth where Owen Beck is one guy who's been on fire with Mississauga Steelheads this year. Montreal Canadiens fans are loving him. He might not even make the team. And then there's Jordan Dumas, who is... Well, what, what, he's on pace for like 140 points this year in the QMJHL. He's definitely not a lock either. So I feel like this team has a lot of scoring depth. And if they end up getting all those guys who expect the NHL players, this team is going to be so hard to defend against because you've got guys with NHL um, experience going out there. And that helps. You, know, you mentioned being... Western League heavy, I mean, and it very much is. I mean, you, you typically, I, I think, you know, we, we used to joke about, you know, they take the, the forwards from the OHL, the defensemen from the Western League, and the goalie from the Q. It was kind of, was kind of the stereotypical, you know, makeup. But, you know, there's 13 Western Leaguers, nine Quebec Leaguers, and only five from the Ontario League in camp here. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen any sort of, you know, distribution being that, you know, heavy to one side of the, of the country before. I mean, typically it's kind of, you know, a third, a third, a third. I mean, what, what do you, what do you attribute to, uh, you know, being a bumper crop of, of, of Western leaguers at the moment? Well, to call, basically this year's, this year's draft, obviously we know it's going to be really good, but it's just been a couple of good years of nice drafting uh, in the, in the dub. And if, if they get Dylan Gunther out there, that's another one from out there. And obviously he wouldn't, probably go back but um they've just you know they've had a really good couple of years of development and uh we saw at the under 17 year old uh, world championship with berkeley cat and another guy that's going to be making a lot of waves of this tournament a few years from now and i i think that that's really good um the goaltending is is kind of up in the air but uh, you know, i think you're looking at it, tyler brennan's got a, a pretty solid shot at fighting for it there so um it's just good a couple good years where the whl has just been proven to be a strong league. A lot of good players um, from Canada have moved on to the, the NCAA. Like, we're looking at it as um, what what in particular, Adam Fantelli. Probably would be a star OHL. Instead, he's one of the best players in the NCAA, which, in retrospect, looks fantastic. What a smart decision that was. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this is just, you know, just a very good, a couple good years of drafting from uh, WHL teams that have really paid off. You know, you mentioned, you know, Fantelli, and, you know, that's another another stereotype that 100% holds true, you know, yet again between the Americans just flat-out refusing to take uh, players from Major Junior and the and Team Canada, kind of vice versa, the only only two NCAA players on this in, uh, in camp here. I mean, it's just, it's always seems crazy to me that, you know, that these two, these two countries are so entrenched in their camps that they that they, they stick with that but it's we go with it every year 
Yeah, and, and one one kind of example is the World Junior A Challenge is coming up, and that's not a huge tournament by any means, but Canada only picks players from Hockey Canada teams. So sometimes that means they're letting a couple of really good NCAA players, and in, not NCAA, but a lot of good USHL players, and looking at that, some of the best Canadian uh, Junior A players are playing in the USHL. Those guys would be great, like Nick, um, not, um, um, what's his face, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on uh, which guy in Chicago steals, but uh, Macklin Serrell-Brini would have been like probably one of the best players in this tournament, but he's playing in the USHL. Um, and, and part of that is, you know, CHL, like, like Ontario-based junior A teams are not very good. Um, the OJHL uh, will do okay at the um, at the National Junior A Championships, but the best typically are from the AJHL and BCHL. The BCHL is no longer part of this Um part of the Hockey Canada anymore, so they're not having any players, despite probably having all the best Western talent. Um, so that is something that Hockey Canada and USA Hockey both do. With USA, they didn't bring the top scorer in the OHL in, in Ty Voigt, and they didn't bring the top, the third top goal scorer in Sasa Pashjov. Like, like, that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, Canada didn't necessarily have that issue with the juniors this year, um, but uh, I, I, it'd be interesting, because, you know, uh, I assume Fantilli's a lock, but maybe he's not in Hockey Canada's eyes. Who knows? Yeah, it's uh, for the American side. I mean, it's it's uh, Alex DeBrinket all over again. I'm still I'm still pretty upset about that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like Ty Boyd, I get it. He's probably not a fourth liner, and they've got two lines that are pretty set in stone. I feel like. Um, so with that, you you kind of put him into a more of a defensive role, and I get it. He's not going to go out there and, and be a very good defensive player, and he's not physical. But as a 13-4, you could throw him in anywhere in the lineup and be confident about it. But then there's Sasha, Sasha Pashjov. People were saying, like, oh, again, well, he chose the OHL route. But he chose the OHL route before and still played. Like, he played the World Juniors in the summer. So that makes no sense that they wouldn't bring him back when he played really good at the juniors. It's not like they think he's not good anymore. It's like, no, he's really gotten so much better. He's a very exciting prospect to watch doesn't make any sense to me uh, why those two players are not there. Um, you know, Tyler Boucher is, was brought. He's an OHL draft, or he, he's a guy in the OHL. Tyler Boucher is not better than Ty Voigt. He is not better than Sasha Pachjov. It uh, kind of gets embarrassing when these some of these moves get made, and it's, it's clearly obvious that they're doing it because of the politics of the game. Uh, but that's not, let, that's not a Hockey Canada or USA Hockey issue alone. Slovakia, Czechia, Russia have all done the same thing. And that to me is just just utter stupid stupidity. You want to go out there and put the best team possible. Um, that's like the most you could do just to respect your the players on your team. Give your team the best shot at winning, and who cares where they play? I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a weird thing to think about, but you know, sometimes maybe politics do belong in the game. Are are the Russians kicked out of this tournament? Or are we letting them in? Russia's not in the tournament, so there, there's one case. Yeah, it, it's a shame because I would have loved to be able to see Matt Bamechkov go up against uh, Connor Bernard. It looked like we were going to get three, four years of these guys playing each other in international competition, and instead we got like one. So instead of getting kicked off the plane on the way out, they just we just not <laughs> let them on the plane in the in the first place, huh? No, the the planes that are there's a one a Russian plane that's every time you drive by in the uh, Toronto. Uh, Near the, near the Pearson Airport where they're based, you just see one of their Russian planes just sitting there, and it's been there since uh, the war began. 
Yeah, it's a, there's, it's a, it's been a, you know weird times for the last couple of years. We talked about it on this show and and every other show known to man because it's because things have been weird. Yeah, so, yeah, I'd say it's been a pretty major story the last little bit. Yeah, yeah, but uh, and you know, and, and it sucks for the for the kids. You know, obviously the 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 Russian hockey players that you know they don't have anything to do with you know who's running their country or what they're doing with it. But you know, at the same time, like there has to be some sort of consequences and. If the whole world's pissed at you, you know there's going to be, you know, I mean, you're going to have to. There's going to be repercussions. Mm-hmm. So, let's see. We talked about some of the typical things as far as you know the, uh, you know where where these kids are coming from and you know making you know choices of what league to play in and somehow we hold that against them. Uh, what uh what what were some of some of the other. Uh, kind of burning burning topics you're looking at with uh, with this Canadian team uh, who's going to be their starting goalie uh, and that's a question essentially every year um, to me it's down to Benjamin Gujo and Tyler Brennan and if I'm going to who I think they'll pick even though neither have been good this year I think they give the advantage to Gujo because he's the um, he's been their guy on every other level so far so Hockey Canada really likes to stick with who they're familiar with and with this team, I'm not. The goaltending just needs to be good. We saw Dylan Garan lead this team to the gold medal, um, and he was just fine. You just need a goalie to be like that, and I feel like you can get that out of Gujo, who has played some very important games in international hockey. Has not played a lot of important games with uh, the Sarnia Sting, so he's my pick. But Tyler Brennan is probably the goalie with a bit more prestige. So we'll see kind of how they they handle that one. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think Thomas Millish, uh, Millich, I'm not exactly sure how you say his last name. Um, I think he grabs the third goalie for Canada. Um, but William Russo might actually be having the best season of all these guys. You, you think they want to go with the, high, the, the hot hand, but I think you got to take into consideration the teams these guys play on. In junior hockey, uh, it's not uncommon to have to face 40 shots a game, uh, and especially when your team sucks. And Zarnia is not a great team. They have the top score in the league, but it's like he's doing it pretty much by himself. So, I think goaltending is going to be one to definitely watch for Canada. Yeah, for out, out here they they go with Millich, I believe. Um, Got it. And and I'm for, fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to see him in the in the playoffs quite a bit last year, and and uh, you know had a pretty had a lot to do with uh, turning around a three one deficit into a, a series win and and going all the way to the the Western League Finals last year. And and Brennan is an interesting. Uh, character, I I believe I will see him live uh, tomorrow night. We're taping this on a Tuesday. Um, in his last game before heading off to camp, at least that's the the schedule that Prince George has, has been rotating their goalies on. And you know he's they're finally Prince George is finally good now, or at least better. But he had a ton of work last year on a you know a, a team that that was giving up a lot of chances. So it's kind of in some ways, he got you know extra work you know um, last season and the season prior, so it's kind of that that can only benefit a guy going forward. And then now he's got a little bit of uh, you know run support, so that's you know help helping him uh, helping his game in the win column. Yeah, it, it's it's 
it's kind of interesting when I do, I do a weekly prospect roundup for, the, for daily faceoff, and it's supposed to be on NHL draft and goalies. And I never basically pick any major junior goalies because it's just like so many. There's so few of them that really make a huge impact, um, which is why I think this is a, a big talking point every year. This who's going to be the goalie? And again, I don't think you need someone to be like life changing here. You just need someone to be just good enough. And um, I think they could probably get that out of any of the goalies they brought to camp. Um, it was interesting they brought four. They've sometimes brought just the three and just stuck with those guys in camp and give them as much time as possible. So I do expect we'll probably see one cut probably after the first game against U Sports on Sunday, but I could be wrong. Well, and you mentioned their their draft status, and that's something you know. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna know more about than than me or most of our listeners, but you know, it sure seems like you know NHL teams are reluctant to draft goalies, and certainly you know if they're going to, they do it late because it's such a crapshoot on how these guys are going to turn out, and they're years and years away, and and every other thing. But it's kind of the only position you know, only, only position group on, you know, a World Juniors roster that has, you know, undrafted 19s. And so it's kind of, you know, it's like, it's like you want to hold that against them. You want to say, well, these two guys are, you know, drafted and these two guys aren't. So clearly those guys have to be better. But it's just not really how prospect goaltending works these days, is it? No. Uh, you look at uh, Finland and Czechia, two teams that were in the Final Four of the, uh, of the 2022 Juniors, and their goalies that played for them in the end were not their starting goalies at the start of the tournament, and they were two undrafted goalies taking over drafted goalie spots. I think that's pretty interesting. And um, we, uh, with Canada, like in, in specifically, we're looking at um, they they are not afraid to give guys who were a fifth or sixth round pick a shot over a guy who was a first round pick. And we saw that where Dylan Garand was the starting goalie over Sebastian Kosa, and Kosa was a first round pick. Dylan Grand was not, and they still won't go around that way. So I think that that shows you the, the, a bit. Some of it is who, like in Hockey Canada, they really like the guys who have been with them since the U17 level. Um, and there's bonus points if it's a Youth Olympic year and you get a guy who was there, which we'll shit up for 2024, I believe, and you'll get guys who were there on the U16 team, uh, which is the only time that ever happens. Um, and you, the, the familiar familiarity is a big deal for them. And that's why I'm kind of just leaning towards Goudreau, even though he hasn't been good this year, because he's been the starting goal forever. Um, and so that, that that's kind of just how I view this, where uh, Brennan was, I believe, drafted higher than Goudreau was, different drafts, but that alone says, like, well, that might not mean a whole lot here. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah, it, it, goalies can be a total crapshoot. We look at the American team where... They might be leaving off a goalie who was legitimately drafted, and they could go end up going off a seventeen-year-old starting goalie. Yeah, well, at least at least in that case, you know, it, you're you're looking at it like it's more of a meritocracy. I mean, you know, who am I to to, to criticize? You know, I, well, I guess we we're. I was about to say, you know, who 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 am I to criticize Hockey Canada with all the success they've had? But I suppose we are all critical of Hockey Canada these days on any number of fronts. But. Mm-hmm. Neither here nor there, and 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 with the the way I, I talk shit on Twitter during these tournaments, I can't actually express my my frustrations with Hockey Canada in a real way because it just doesn't uh, you know it doesn't work for me. But um, that being said, I mean you know if their if their reasoning is yeah familiarity and they know these guys and and that's one thing. If you're just rewarding them for loyalty, I mean 
you know, I do that with my puppy dog when I'm trying to train her to behave better. But, you know, if, if the, if the, if the best goalie is a 17 and, you know, plays in, you know, white horse or whatever, like go with that. Like, who cares? Like why? Like, you know what I mean? If it's, if, in a short tournament, I mean, it really has to be a meritocracy, and you take the best guys and see what the hell happens. And you know, if that's in, in on on this side of the the forty ninth, if that's you know a seventeen year old goalie, then so be it, right? But I mean, I I don't know. It's it again, it seems to work, but then again, you have that much talent. I mean, you know, maybe anybody could pick these teams. I don't know. It's like again, like they they left off some pretty solid defensemen. Where I'm still not looking at this team and saying like, oh, like that's gonna hurt them. Um, so they they do tend to to go towards um, loyalty, but you know, Devin Levi was an interesting one where he you know he he kind of shocked everybody by becoming the starting goalie in the twenty twenty one tournament, I believe it was, and uh, had one of the best turns we've ever seen for a guy who who did play at the World Junior A Challenge, which is a rarity for a guy to go from the World Junior A Challenge to then be a starting goalie at the World Juniors. Um, but he didn't. He was an NCAA goalie, and he missed a lot of camp, and he didn't play any hockey before the juniors. Everything was against him, yet he still won the starting job. So sometimes you just don't know. I mean, you know, I probably could have, you know, looked this up. This is probably find outable, but, you know, gut feeling is to me is how many times does a 13th forward who barely made the club and doesn't, you know, and is a bit play, a bit player in theory ended up on the top line real quick and top power play and the and and whoever the the starting goalie is for you know on boxing day ends up you know the other guy takes the job i mean it's, it seems like you know even though we you know we we put all this time and effort into figuring out you know who's who's going to make the club and then it seems like it just you you know you it gets turned on its head you know pretty pretty quickly it seems like you know what i mean it, yeah, like when people say, like, oh, why is this guy in the third line? Why is this guy in the second line? That pretty much doesn't matter except for one line, and that's the fourth line, because that typically is seen as the checking line. But in these teams of a lot of talent, they try to roll three lines of scoring, one more of a checking line, and then you got a 13 forward who can slot in and do anything. And we've seen guys, um, we, we've seen that be Alexis Lafreniere. We've seen that being Quinton Byfield. We've seen that be Phil Tomasino. We've seen that be Connor Bedard. Of all had pretty solid World Junior experiences. Um, so, you know, being the 13 forward actually is an interesting one because that guy could just be slot in whenever you need him, could play the power play because they're not getting used as much, and that actually is not a bad thing to put on the power play. Um, so that's why you'll see a lot of skill guys in that role. Um, so to me, that's almost more of a like an indictment. Like, we find you very valuable, that you're going to be kind of our buzzsaw guy. You're not going to play a ton, but we're going to put you in some important situations. So, uh, yeah, I I fully expect the 13-4 to really kind of play a part here, which is why I feel like if Jordan Dumont doesn't make it into the top six, I feel like he's going to be there as the 13-4 because he brings the skill, he brings the speed, and, and, you know, can fit in the lineup if he needs to. Yeah, didn't didn't uh, Steenbergen, Tyler, uh, from out, out west here at Swift Current, wasn't he kind of – had a tournament like that a couple years ago? Yes, he did, yeah. He had a good show and believe he scored the game-winning goal to win the championship. I might be wrong, but he had a pretty good tournament. I feel like I feel like you're right. But, uh, yeah, and you're talking about the leading scorer in the Quebec League, and, and it's not even that close of a, of a race at the moment. And, 
yeah, maybe he's good enough to play on the fourth line. I mean, it's just it's hard to get your head around sometimes. You know what I mean? It's like it's such an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, it's it's not a bad situation when you're talking about a guy who's might get might might be one of the best players in the CHL this year. Might not even make the team. Yeah, well, you know, I'm already where I talked about Dubrincic once, but uh, I felt he was good as an 18 until he got you know until he got hurt. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, so it's obviously, you know, tough to predict, you know, what, how these uh, teams are going to match up against each other. I mean, you know, what are your, you know, we expect Canada to medal every year. You know, I, 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 I tend to predict silver for them. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you, what do you, what do you think, uh, you know, what, what Canada versus the field? Let's, let's go with that. How do you feel about other chances there? I, I know I'm Canadian. Uh, so it's a sound blast, but I'm still going with them goal because there's just not a ton of weaknesses here. Again, I think the biggest weakness is their goaltending, and sometimes that ends up becoming one of their biggest strengths when you just need someone to prove themselves, and then that guy, one guy does, and it lights out. When you're looking at a team that's got Connor Bedard, Logan Stankov, and you got Adam Fantilli, uh, Owen Zellweger on defense, and then you potentially throw in Genther, you throw in Wright, you throw in Clark... Maybe Mason McTavish and Kent Johnson still eligible. All of a sudden, you're looking at a team that's loaded, and the the fact that they again they, they don't have a specific weakness, I think, is a huge thing. And, and it's easy to nitpick and say, why is Matt Savoy not there? Why is this guy there? Not there? Why is not this guy? Not? It, the fact is, they got enough talent where it doesn't really matter, and it's kind of how Canada utilizes it. Um, I truly think this has got to be the gold medal team, partly because they might have two of the best players in the entire tournament, in, in Con- or two of the best forwards at least, and without going to the NHL route in, in Connor Bedard and Lovis Degon. Yeah, I mean it's it, that, that's always a, a, a fun a fun one. It's one of the things I, I enjoy about this time of year and these rosters too. Well, I guess not with the American ones as much, but you know, yeah, with you mentioned Savoy and, and he was having a you know fantastic season in in in, uh, in Winnipeg and they're they're you know taking on all comers and 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 handling handling everybody out there it seems like and you know and and doesn't doesn't get a sniff and I mean but that's just that's kind of the way it's always going to be like you're always leaving good players at home and then and that's before the cuts and so you know it's kind of somebody had to get left off they're not they're not taking 30 guys and so yeah, some of these, you know, I, you can say it's a snub, but, it, I mean, and, yeah, maybe I prefer Savoy over this other guy here or whatever, but, you know, it's kind of, I mean, you're always going to have that. So it's, you know, to me, that I, it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't ever get me too too upset as far as leaving this guy off or that guy off. There's, it's, there's a reason these guys get left off, and a lot of it is, like, they just have other guys who just do the same thing, and that's okay. Yeah, and you know, and looking at this at this list of you know Western leaguers who our listeners are going to be the most familiar with. I mean, you know, you look at a you look at a, a guy like um, Bankier or or a guy like Stankoven that you know are you know barring something crazy happening, they're going to get to play in the Memorial Cup and have a chance at World Junior in the same year. I mean, that's. Uh, that's 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 a pretty sweet opportunity right there, and 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 has to you know play and playing on this tournament. I mean, has to be valuable experience. You know, come spring when you're on the 
you know, the 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 the, the biggest stage again twice in the same year. I mean, that's you know, how how, how do you think that benefits you know a guy like Stankoven, you know, in the Memorial Cup? Uh, playing mid games, you'll get the best players showing up, and uh, I think that he'll. This is a, another good opportunity for him, and um, good opportunity for everybody here. And the guys that were there in the summer, you know, it was a di- bit of a different atmosphere the whole tournament. But it was to them, it was still the World Junior Championship, and this will be the same case here. Um, I think that these guys are are ready for the next level, uh, and playing in front of what we expect to be full crowds for most Canada games. Uh, in smaller buildings, so it's going to be allowed. I think it's going to be a really cool experience. So for these guys who are going to be trying to fight for the Memorial Cup or might be looking to make NHL teams next year, this is a good opportunity where you know, this Canadian team is going to be powerful. They're going to be strong, and let's see what they can do with that. Yeah, you know, and we we, we talked about Bedard already, but you know he might uh he might end up on Kamloops too, right? Well, they're. Uh, the management seems to think they won't trade him. I, I don't understand why you would not trade Bedard. Yeah, yeah. Even, even if you even if you got a shot at winning the championship this year, I would feel like you'd want to trade him. Well, I mean, John Paddock just turned the podcast off if he's listening. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we we we've, we talked. I'm sure he probably comes up on this show every week, and you know, we've talked about you know what the what Regina did in the past with you know Jordan Eberly and, and Colton Tubert who who made this tournament and they didn't trade them and then they're gone and then you didn't get any assets back so it's you know i'm sh- I, I i believe they still have those conversations in in the queen city to this day and they're probably having them today but on the other hand it's a nice problem to have that you have this you know the 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 star of all stars and you know it's uh you know you're, you're it, in some ways you're playing house money because you're either going to keep them or you're going to get something out of it right but like, like, usually when, when, like, overage players, older players get traded, and Bedard obviously is not an overage or older player, but when players get traded like that, you, you look to get enough of a return where it's going to make you good for a couple of years. With Bedard, one of the greatest WHL players we've probably ever seen, what do you think that return would be? But specifically after what happened with Nolan Allen in that trade, that was a pretty big deal. You see what, like, with Connor Bedard, it's going to be, if any team can afford to do it, and if you're a contending team, you are got to be willing to sacrifice being awful for, like, the next five or six years if it means potentially going out there and winning the championship and having Connor Bedard on your side. If, if I'm any contending team, I'm throwing whatever it takes to get him there because he will make a difference um, with, on a good team, he'll make a huge difference. So... Um, I think that they Regina's got to look into trading him, and I, I their arguments like oh we, like he doesn't want to go anywhere. It's like man, like I, I get the the rules, but but Dard, you you've got an opportunity here to go win the Memorial Cup. Go for it. Take that advantage. It's not like a need of your def- the high, finishing high school matters so much in Regina. Just go out there and, and go for a championship. And for Regina, take advantage of that. You could get. 10, 10 first round picks maybe for him like you're you're out there building a long-term future for this team and that's something they got to do so trade bedard come on yeah so if you're sitting next to john paddock you can tap him on the shoulder and we're done talking about it. he can come he can come back in but uh it's like it's like man like i, I don't run a team but i'm gonna say you gotta make this trade guys well yeah i mean they're you know in the in the you know that that Eastern Conference of the Western League. I mean, it's it's hard to make the playoffs in the first place. Much harder than out west, and they haven't really they haven't got there in the last few years with Regina. I mean, it's it's kind of it has to be frustrating to to be a Pats fan and, and have 
you know, that player and not be able to do much with them. I mean, it's kind of a testament to, you know, what a, what a team game we have that, you know, you can have the, the, the best player, but you know, arguably the best player in all of major junior and, you know, it can only gets you to 500, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like a certain team out West, uh, in the NHL that, uh, has two of the best players in the world, and they still haven't been able to make the kind of the uh, the cup final. Yeah, and I was actually I was actually going to mention one of those guys too. I mean, you talk about there's there's rules with with trades, and you know, one of them is you can't trade guys while they're at World Juniors, you know, unless Craig McTavish decides that Drysidle needs to go from PA over to uh, to <laughs> Kelowna, which happened during the World Juniors, and I don't know why Craig McTavish gets to decide what you know West two Western League teams are doing, but that's what happened you know i remember it was pretty pretty controversial out here in uh that year uh 2015 i believe it was and i mean it worked out for dry you know they won the championship and you know he turned into uh turned into the the player he is and if only he could bring a defenseman or two with him then they'd they'd probably have something up there but yeah that was very controversial at the time out here well, I hope Regina doesn't make uh, anything making stupid decisions a stupid decision to be not moving him I hope they do it just for the sake of how cool of a trade that would be but also like think long term there guys yeah we don't we don't often have these uh, some of these crazy OHL style trades out here it's a you know even you know even an expensive piece you know we already we mentioned uh, you know Alan uh, going to to Seattle and that being a, a, a big deal, especially for a guy that's not exactly a household name in our league, even being a first round pick. But you know, the we could we could really get nutty like a like a good OHL trade out here for for a kid like that. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, another another guy that I really like that I think is kind of you know off the radar is is a stop chuck, and you know, for a player that. You know, again, Canada is generally smart enough to just, you know, throw the best best 12 or 13, I guess, forwards out there and see what happens. In the U.S., we think it's a, you know, 82 game season. You have to have a you have to have a checking line. But I feel like Ostopchuk could could fall into that that defensive role, you know, pretty pretty easily with his game. I mean, what do you think about that? Uh, the first of the 82 game thing, yeah, that that's exactly how I kind of feel with Americans and for Canada, they they're not afraid to kind of do something similar. And I think Ostopchuk played, you know, solid. Um, I didn't honestly know a whole lot about him um, before he got drafted um, to Ottawa, uh, but I I was kind of impressed with his work ethic. He's uh, obviously he, he's got good hands out there. Um, I felt like he was probably closer to getting a few more goals in that tournament, but he also has got the size there. He's 6'3", over 200 pounds. He, he knows how to hit, can play a strong defensive game. He's a leader. He's a captain out in Vancouver. Um, so guys like that are important uh, in tournaments like this. And, um, you know, it's hard to say leadership's a huge deal, um, given the fact they're all, like, 17, 18, 19 years old, and, like, none of these guys are NHL veterans. But having enough guys who, who are very well respected um, in the lineup is a big thing, and, and Ostopchuk's one of the guys that people really like. Um, so uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to kind of see. Uh, I, I, he's a lock to me, um, but you know he's not going to go out there getting a lot of points, but that's okay. Well, they really need him. He's really valuable to that Giants team. I mean, they don't have a lot of of, of uh, firepower they don't have a lot of star pieces right now and so he's really the star the straw that stirs the drink and 
you know, I got to think that, you know, that experience for him, you know, being really, really valuable to his club team, I mean, that has to, I feel like that's really beneficial to you, you know, even though it's a completely different, you know, kettle of fish playing on, on a, on an all-star team for a month. But, you know, I feel that, again, just, just his experience right now in in Vancouver, the way they really need him, I think that that's going to, that's beneficial to him. Yep, I agree. You know, I guess, and you kind of, I mean, you know, say the same thing about, you know, uh, Trevor Wong. Well, actually, excuse me, I was thinking about, I was thinking more about uh, Colton Dock. I mean, that's rather than than Wong, but he's, uh, again, they're really leaning on him in in Kelowna. They're not having the, the best year, especially you know, you don't, the, the Rockets don't really have down years. It's not really allowed, you know, and the <laughs> the way Bruce runs thing, but things up there, but I mean, they're really, really leaning on him. And I think that's, you know, the same kind of thing that, I mean, he has to perform, you know, on uh, every night or, or, or they're going nowhere. And that's, you know, probably going to, again, this, the first short tournament, I think that's going to be good for him. Yeah. This is a guy who's definitely not a lock. He's a bubble guy and is going to have to fight his way um, into the lineup. And, that's not a bad thing, uh, you know. The odds are stacked against you, so if you don't make the play uh, or don't make the team, okay, you know, no one really expected that. But for him, um, he's got a good work ethic. Uh, he's got a good shot. Uh, it's just kind of finding how he fits in, you know. Um, he's he's not afraid to to get physical. He's not afraid to to rough you up. He's got the size, but there's other guys that could do that. So what really stands out, and you kind of hope that. Um, his work ethic is a big difference maker there. So, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. That's something where this this could be good for him, good for the team. And um, but he's he's not someone I expected to make the roster, uh, the final roster that is. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, and it probably sh- it's just another another thing that probably shouldn't be a thing, but I'm sure it is that you know if it's it, the tiebreaker with Doc and and another forward is going to be. That he's Kirby Doc's brother, and if you can get a little bit of that, you know, then then hey, right? I mean, and that's, you know, to me, as as much as I love the way Kirby Doc plays, I mean, I would, I'm probably gonna, you know, succumb to that that bias, whether it's conscious or not, too, right? Fair enough. Uh, you know, Kirby Doc obviously that was a huge loss when he got hurt uh, before juniors a couple of years ago, but um, I, I I still think there's just too much depth there, or he again he's got to have a really good camp. And it'll be interesting to see how he plays against U Sports. Yeah, I mean, just looking at this, looking at this list, and you know what 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 we got to cut off here? Three forwards. Uh, I, I believe it, well because it, it depends on how many NHLers go. Um, that's that's kind of the the big question mark right now. I think it's I believe you're at three forwards. I think two defense. Uh, I have it written in my article, which I could bring up. Uh, it is currently one goalie, two defense, and three forwards. But that could go down to one goalie, uh, three defense, and five forwards. But it could also go down to they might cut two goalies. They've actually done a lot of times where they've done only two goalies at these tournaments. So there's that too. And then, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's World Cup time. If uh you know, as far as subs and, and, and whatnot, if, if you only bring two goalies to the tournament and one gets hurt, do you get, like, an emergency call-up or anything or no? I, you know, I don't believe it's ever actually happened in that case with the tattoos. I don't know the rule offhand, but I know it was mentioned one year when Canada, because Canada used to bring two goalies to, like, European tournaments, and it never made any sense. I think the last time they did that was 2019, um, and then COVID let you have larger rosters, but... Uh, 
that always seem like a big risk. But I get it if you're if you know, it's also something where it could be very beneficial if, if both your goalies stay healthy. If you actually had an extra guy you could throw in, but to me that just feels pretty risky. Yeah, and always you know frustrating. You know if if uh, you know if it is Thomas Millich and and you know there's probably you know a decent amount of Seattle fans listening to this show and. You know, that's always frustrating when you lose your goalie for a month and he doesn't even get a play. You know, that's always a, a, a kick in the balls, but, you know, it happens to happens to somebody every year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair, fair so. Yeah. Well, do you have, uh, you got other um, burning uh, ideas you want to you throw out here while we're, while we're starting to put a bow on this episode? Well, one team to keep an eye on, and this is going to sound like, what the heck, is Latvia. Um, because they're playing at the World Junior A Challenge, and they're going to be... We saw Denmark in 2015. They benefited a lot from playing the World Junior A Challenge. They actually made it to overtime against the United States in the final using the World Junior team. And the way the World Junior A Challenge works is it's like Canada uses Junior A players, USA uses Junior A players, and then every other country just uses whoever they want. And Denmark had as their top line, they had Nick Ehlers and Olivier Bjorkstrand uh, playing against guys that didn't really go anywhere. Um, Latvia is going to go out there with the World Junior team. They're, so they're going to go entering the tournament with potentially five or six games under their belt. Um, they're fighting for their lives after basically being gifted a spot in the tournament um, because of Russia. Uh, and they're bringing almost the same roster that went out there and beat Czechia and then gave Sweden a run for their money. Maybe we can't ignore Latvia at this tournament. Um, but uh, I, I say that knowing they're probably going to lose one game like 9 nothing. Trying to figure out the, the next generation of Archer's Urbe. Well, they have a few guys like that. And um, it, also to stay on the, the minnow side, Big shame that Marco Casper is not going to be playing at the World Juniors. They're focusing on him playing at the World Championship for Austria instead, which I get he'll be top line. Uh, but Casper not playing for Austria as that team tries to fight to stay in the top group when they're using um, maybe one of the weakest goalie cores, I think is going to be uh, a tough uh, tough thing to swallow. Are we uh, are we back to uh, relegating the, the last the we last are. place? Yes. So, like, obviously, we're going to have the 11th team um, uh, under the previous circumstances uh, uh, before Belarus got ejected. Uh, now we're back to 10, and there will be one team getting uh, removed, which means there is a relegation round again, which I always love the relegation round. It's just usually never televised. Yeah, which which makes me wonder. It you know, doesn't matter now, but it makes me wonder what, what happens when we let the Russians back in, you know, like who gets – who gets pushed out that didn't didn't get relegated? You know what I mean. I I would, if I had to guess, they would probably go to a twelve team tournament for one year, um, and have more teams relegated. If I had to guess, um, because the one thing they definitely don't need is more teams. Uh, but Russia and Belarus both had earned spots to be in the tournament. Um, I don't think sending Russia down to Division One A would make anyone happy. Um, It'd be kind of like a ha ha, like here's your punishment. But then they'd go out there and would beat like Denmark and Latvia and maybe even Ukraine, um, and it would be kind of a waste of everyone's time. Um, so I, I would have to guess they might go 12 teams that one year, because uh, I, I don't think you would remove a team that's deserved to be there um, based off of their results and how the format works. But at the same time, like you can't. How do you justify sending Russia down to Division One A? I guess I guess it hadn't hadn't even crossed my mind that they kicked Belarus out, but that's uh, 
I think I think it becomes even more interesting situation if Belarus was not in divi- the top division because then you just add the eleven team and it'd be a bit more awkward. But then I feel like then it is like how do you do that where one one division's got to play like more games to make it work out because part of the way the the format works is every team has in one group has to play every other team uh, and that's a tie-breaking scenario which is if there's two teams tied it's who won the head-to-head well if then if you were you would have to give every team an extra game for that to make sense and well that that doesn't make sense um so i think it's almost better that you got the the two teams because then you can just add each of them to the groups and make it that way but then what do you do i think you'd maybe have a four-team relegation round which they've done in the past and then you send the bottom two maybe that's how you do it um and honestly that makes the most sense to me but i also just came up with that idea in the last minute so uh there's no real thought behind that one it could be quite flawed i don't know no we got time to figure it out i mean could could be years for all we know but could be years could be years and you know i i do have faith just in the fact that that goofy format that the NHL did for the bubble playoffs that were in you know August or whatever it was that year, loved it. I couldn't I couldn't figure that format out. Save my ass. I was like, what do you what are they talking about? But it worked and it worked really well. Yeah, it was like it was like uh, some te- the, there was teams that got a buy, so they were just playing for the sake of just getting ready to go. But then there was the teams that were fighting their way in. I thought that was awesome. Made the playoffs longer, and I would make an argument it needs to be shorter, like the, the MLB playoffs, which to me are the best playoffs in sports. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I, I, was, I, I thought a play-in round would actually be kind of cool going forward, but at the same time, it kind of devalues the regular season. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in this case, I think it was, you know, yeah. obviously a one-off, but... Yeah, it, I mm-hmm. I couldn't I just couldn't understand it at first, but then once once they got going, I was I thought it was actually pretty really good, really well done, you know. It was as good as we could have got given the circumstances. Also true, but I mean a creative solution that you know kind of I feel like I feel like it, I feel like I want to give them credit for it. That's all. But uh, all right, well, oh, we uh, you know, we got this far. We haven't even mentioned uh, you know, your special talent for the. Uh, uh, the the goal, the goal illustrations. That's uh, you know I, I I assume that you know many of our listeners are familiar, but probably some of them aren't. The, the uh, you're, you're you're known for this, and and let's uh, you know ha- to re- recap the story on on how those came about. Well, uh, a couple years ago, a certain broadcaster of the tournament wasn't thrilled. I was posting video clips um, of goals um, when they were not doing it themselves, and sent me multiple DMCA and. Uh, complaints on uh, if I received one more my Twitter account would have been gone so basically after me yelling at the people who handed me the DMCAs and I knew them both I made a thing after the, the summer juniors I don't know if I want to do it anymore it's a lot of fun uh, just drawing these goals trying to give people a laugh but you know there's enough people that still ask about it and every year I always get approached about like turning those ideas into a small book uh, so I don't know. Maybe that happens eventually. But uh, it's you know I I I they're fun to do. People like them. Why not? Well, that's that's funny. You mentioned you know collected them. I mean, it's it's not like you could go back, you know, and look at that and say, oh, I remember that goal. You're gonna have no goddamn idea what it was. <laughs> what happened yeah, on that so goal? Like, it, 
see, part of it, part of the fun is like reacting to it in real time, and I'm also on a time crunch when I'm doing these pictures because I'm still also trying to analyze the play. I'm still writing like reports on all these players, also then writing about the game. And these drawings take a lot of time, so it's like all that is kind of um, like it's time consuming. Um, but it's like people are like, oh, like why don't you go like draw like like recreate Bobby Orr's goal or things like that or Paul well, it's just like, but it's not the same it's got to be like under the stress of like trying to get this out quickly it's like if I have time to think about it it's not as much fun it's not as natural yeah yeah it's uh, I mean it has to I mean and that's well that's the nature of you know the Twitter or the nature of you know the internet I mean you know we're anybody listening to the show is obviously internet savvy enough to figure out how to do that I mean you know, it's it's real time. It's we, you know, you want to, we got to we got to go. We got to see what this is because there's going to be another goal, and there's going to be another goal after that. Especially in juniors in a tournament like this, and sometimes those goals are coming in, you know, hot and heavy. I mean, you know, how many how many how many times have we seen that in this tournament? So, but yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of irons in the fire is what you're saying. Exactly, very much so. Well, I think, like you said, people. You know, you know better than the rest of us, but uh, people people are into that. I remember I remember seeing that out of your frustrations, and I was like, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, I want to see what the I want to see what the actual goal was too, but we'll just go with that. Uh, that'll be that'll be good for now, you know. And then yeah, it was kind of honestly why I was why I put those video clips out in the first place. Like a lot of people do, and it's another issue is is a part of it. So I can go back when I'm referencing a player in a story I want to write later down the line. I'm like, oh, here's this great goal he scored. Instead of having to go through like something like Instat or these scouting services to go find video clips, and when when the official broadcasters aren't posting certain like moments that are important or like maybe an important moment that, that's not exciting to the average viewer, but like oh my god, look at how he played defense here. Well, that's not going to make for an exciting clip, but it might be something that's worth putting in later. So when they were like trying to shut that down, it's like guys, you're literally like like they were DMCAing a lot of people, and it's like this makes no sense. People want to share the content. Of this tournament, like, why not promote this thing? It doesn't make sense. It's it, you know, it's it's still uh, you got to be a hardcore hockey fan to care about the the World Juniors. Um, like a ton of people who who love hockey and love the NHL will not watch this tournament because they don't care. So you got to be pretty dedicated to care about this tournament. And when you make it harder for people to see it, it doesn't make any sense to. Me. Well, yeah, and, and and the the again the bigger point we keep coming back to this is is they're not doing it they're not they're not using their own content the way that it it should be and and, and making it to where we can we can see the goals and see what happened. So then why are you burying? It? It's one thing if 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 you're if you're directly competing with them, but you're not. You know, I I'm just one guy trying to. to give the most comprehensive coverage I could possibly do, which in a lot of these cases is from home, not there, not being able to talk to the players. So how to come up with ways to get people engaged? Well, and, um, and, that's why the drawings come in. And, and quite often with that particular broadcaster, I'm not able to watch a lot of a lot of their content they put out here in the States. It's just blocked. You go to click on it, and I'm like, why? You know, like... Yeah, it's... Again, there's things I don't understand, but uh, I, I I still love this tournament. It's still my favorites. I'm a huge Spangler Cup fan, so I'm very excited for uh, being able to watch uh, watch that again for the first time in in what three years, and um, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of good hockey going on. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and you know it's uh, 
I, I say this about many, many things and many, you know, hot topic issues, you know, but are we trying to grow the game or are we not trying to grow the game? You know what I mean? Like, and it's, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to make it harder for no apparent reason to, to, to spread the love of, of junior hockey and, and this tournament, then yeah, I guess I don't know what to tell you, right? It's like junior hockey is a hard thing to monetize, a hard thing to get people really talking about. And we see that where people will be so excited about the juniors and then half of the OHL or half the QMG, HL, WHL tenants is typically pretty good. But you'll see these these places where the, their arenas are half full, half empty, sometimes worse. Um, and they don't have that opportunity to really show kind of what they're, they're capable of um, to a lot of fans. Let's let's make this as fun for everybody as possible. Let's not try to gatekeep that. I, I get it. There's, there's there's television rights. There's money to be made on it. But if if there's a bigger like we, we I don't know. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, what we've seen out west is if you want to attendance is up everywhere that the Regina Pats are playing right now. I don't know if you you probably picked up on that, but it's it's a it's a phenomenon out west here. It's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Which is part of a huge thing right now. People talk about the be there when he's drafted next year. Um, there are guys that when people pick up, oh, this is a star player, they're going to go out there and want. Well, Stephen, I appreciate your time, and uh, I would direct all of our listeners to uh, follow along with your your content over at Daily Faceoff, and uh, you know, make sure to follow you on Twitter for the uh, the, the goal art we were talking about. Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be a fun few weeks. Right, well, I appreciate your time.